Hello, I'm Stuart Preston, and this is the Stone Ape Reports, where I have conversations with those who have changed their lives with the help of psychedelics. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking with Beth. Beth had big goals and big questions as a little girl. Later in life, though, she lost her father, and then some other changes came about that had her questioning, what is life all about? She shares her experiences with ayahuasca and the South American Dieta and more. It all helped her find purpose in life and in business, and now she helps others do that as well. So let's hear from Beth. Beth, thank you so much for joining me here on the Stone Dave Reports. It's an honor to, to talk to you. I'm glad that we, we made the connection and can make this happen. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me here, Stuart. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's get into your story. So, you know, as, as you know, here on the podcast, we like to talk about, you know, what was going on in life, you know, good, bad, and different that kind of led you on this road to psychedelics and what, what your experiences were like and then what was life like afterwards. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what was going on in your life. Well, so right now I'm in my early-ish 40s and I grew up in the mm-hmm. Bay Area in California and I was kind of, um, it's, it's kind of a long story, but at the age of 14, I was given a hit of acid. And that's kind of what started the whole thing. Um, You know, I had grown up in a very open kind of environment, like open, um, not with my family, but open everywhere else in the Bay Area. You know, had started working with cannabis around, God, probably, you know, 13 or so. And then um, I had been going to these like youth dance clubs at a pretty early age Mm -hmm. around, you know, 12, 13, 14. And someone actually gave me this hit of acid. And I am really, I I knew what it was. I had heard about it, but I didn't really know what was going to happen. And he was, I remember he was older and he's like, well, take it now. And I actually had a curfew because I was only 14 and I ended up going home. I had to go home, uh, you know, about 30 minutes after I took it. <laughs> Wow. So long story short, my, my very first experience was alone in my bedroom with my parents down the hall and me just being like, what the hell is happening? But really intrigued by the whole experience. Of course, you know, at some points, a little scared at some points, a little like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, But I had always, you know, from a very young age, I had always been very inquisitive and pretty deep one of those people who's always kind of questioned like what are we all here for you know I Mm. remember the very first moment where I um had had this thought about death like oh wow what happens when we die and that was at a pretty young age you know I would say maybe around like seven eight nine I started wondering about these deep life life thoughts so yeah so doing this powerful experience at the age of 14. And then of course, from there, you know, it eventually led to other experiences, you know, psilocybin. And, you know, this is back in the early nineties. I was going to clubs and raves and then that led to, you know, ecstasy, MDMA, you know, let's be honest, it wasn't really MDMA back then. Um, Ketamine, you know, all the things. And, Mm -hmm. So that's how it all started. You know, it was really from this place of um, being young and really, I would attribute a lot of it to this um, 
you know, back when I went to raves and dancing, I remember really noticing this ultimate feeling of everything is okay. Like, especially being, you know, a teenager or in college and everything seems to be in chaos. But when I was dancing and on something like ecstasy, everything just seemed at peace and perfect. Right. And so it was kind of, you know, I'm a very aware that it was a bit of escapism at that age. It was like, okay, let's just go have fun. But I remember it being a very deep experience, you know, like being with hundreds or thousands of people, you know, being in some of these kind of weird places that some of these mm-hmm. underground raves were happening and, and held and just feeling this inner connection. Like people were just so friendly. I remember making friends like on a New York city subway, you know, um, mm. random people would just, there was just this connection and it wasn't really, it really wasn't the drugs. I wasn't on on drugs all the time. I actually didn't do that many drugs in the grand scheme of things, but it was something about the, the, the letting go of the mind hmm. and really just coming into the body and being able to move and being able to be free. Um, so that was really what got me curious about like what else is possible. Um, I studied psychology in, well, stu- psychology and art history in college hmm. and, you know, neuroscience were like, it was really some of my favorite subjects. Um, as I got older and, you know, this, this path pretty much continued for a while until, until I would say nine 11, there was kind of a halt in my life. Cause I actually mm. lived in New York city at the time of, um, you know, the nine 11 mm. experience. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was always curious about what was really going on here and what the potential was. And I had my, it's interesting. My dad was, um, an engineer who worked with, energy for a living. And, you know, I think even though he was kind of your typical, like conservative engineer, like kind of shut down, um, you know, my mom was a hippie in the Haight-Ashbury. Of course, by the time I'm in my twenties, she's turning like conservative and, you know, like wasn't as open as she used to be, but it was just interesting because, you know, I had started exploring like the potential of the human mind. And then had dated this guy, my, my ex-boyfriend in my twenties, who got me actually into um, theoretical physics. And that's when all the dots really started connecting between all these questions I had growing up, you know, growing up with pretty much a physicist in my house, um, expanding my mind, like very much and very fast at a pretty young age, like 14 up until, you know, I took a break actually probably, um, you know, in my, I would say like my late twenties to early thirties, you know, maybe like a five-year break and Mm -hmm. everything really started coming together. You know, I started questioning a lot of life. Like actually my dad suddenly died when I was, you know, kind of prematurely in my late twenties and, you know, all these experiences and then my lifestyle and my career, it just really made me start to question, like, what is this all about? Like, what are we here for? we're just here to, you know, be part of the rat race and make money and then die. That just doesn't seem right. It didn't make sense. So um, fast forward, you know, until my thirties, that's when, you know, I was introduced to, I mean, I had already known about Burning Man since I was pretty young because I Mm -hmm. grew up in the Bay area, but I was very resistant to like, Oh, that's just a bunch of hippies on drugs. I don't want to go there. But 
you know, I started exploring these, you know, this idea of working with these psychedelics in a different way. And my first um, ceremonial journey of ayahuasca, and then, you know, then it turned into ceremonial psilocybin as well. Um, it also coincided with a lot of deep growth I was going through in my own life after my dad had died and really questioning what I was doing and questioning myself and my upbringing and also becoming so self-aware that, you know, I started to see what wasn't working for the way I was living, you know, like my anxiety I've had since I can remember since day one, um, you know, my fast paced lifestyle, my, um, my drive, you know, like my way of being. And then um, I, I was also running. So here's another one that's a really interesting one. I was also very into endurance running. So I took mm. up marathons and ultra marathons and really got deep into that culture, as I would call it, because it really is this whole lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I started taking up trail running. And the one thing I noticed when you run trails is you also lose your mind. Like you, you have to actually, you have to let go of the mind in order to not trip and fall and hurt yourself. So all of this was happening over just a few year period, you know, like career change, father dying, lifestyle, you know, questioning yeah. everything, you know, expanding the mind, going to Burning Man, getting really deep into this endurance running and experiencing the human potential of the body to also um, overcome things like pain after running for seven hours straight, you know, like mm-hmm. I started wondering like, well, cause I, I would notice that I would be able to completely transcend pain with my mind. I actually, hmm. I eventually was published in articles. I, I actually launched um, a running apparel business and I started talking about all this interconnection between um, you know, mindfulness and meditation and endurance sports. And then there's, you know, bring in spirituality and psychedelics and quantum physics. And all of a sudden, just in this one period of a few years of my life, every dot started connecting. And that's when I was like, wow, this all makes sense. Everything's just pure energy. And we have this potential in us to expand beyond, beyond what we even can comprehend as humans with our limited experience of the mind. Hmm. And, um, you know, of course, the benefit of all this, because by now I had already taken up meditation, you know, daily practice, kind of gone on to the the Buddhist spiritual path. Um, But it all started, it was essentially, I was realizing that everybody is saying the same thing and that this all, all these different pathways are all the same. (laughs) They're just different paths to the same experience, which essentially is letting go of that damn monkey mind that gets in the way of everything, um, including, you know, as I got really deep into, you know, the healing benefits of ayahuasca and psilocybin and, you know, the, the regular work with plant medicine and going down to Peru and doing dietas and getting really deep into it. That's when I saw the deeper side of healing generational trauma, like literally changing our DNA. Um, healing the body of all this trauma that's actually stored in all our cells, because I'm of the belief that pretty much every human on this planet has some sort of a trauma. I used to think I was one of those people that, Oh, my life was kind of okay. You know, I had the typical like parents who got divorced and some, you know, trauma in the household and, you know, there's sexual abuse in my family. And, but I always Mm -hmm 
thought that was normal because I grew up with yeah most of my peers having you know alcohol is I mean I could go on and on it's like yeah like my whole family was pretty much alcoholics everybody suffered from anxiety and other disorders and unhealed trauma and um you know after getting really deep into this path and then also working with, you know, the integration, of course, like there's so much outside work I do as well. Um, you know, like somatic therapy and the mindfulness and the daily practice, I just started to see like, wow, these are, they're not it, but they are the missing link, Hmm. you know, like I remember talking to my Buddhist teacher about going and doing ayahuasca for the first time. And he's actually, um, he was uh, like a former heroin addict turned meditation teacher, um, Josh Corda. He's actually really well known. Um, He runs this group called Dharma Punks in New York City. And (laughs) he's amazing, but very against like turning to drugs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you know, I was like, well, wait a second. But if this is able to lead me to that same state that meditating daily for seven hours a day would do, like, what's the problem? You know? Um, and yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think I don't, I am not one of these people that think psychedelics for everybody is for everybody, but essentially I was like, well, but wait, it's helping me. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's where, you know, the last, it's been about, I don't know, eight, nine years of my life is where I went deeper into the path of what I would call just medicine. Like, you know, I only work with things in, you know, healing settings, ceremonial settings. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do microdosing. And of course, I don't know if I go to Burning Man ever again, maybe I'll take a little there and have some fun, but essentially it's now more part of my, um, my healing and personal development path. When you say ceremonial, do you mean also, even if that's alone or is it always in like a, an official ceremony with somebody leading the ceremony? Yeah, I guess ceremonial is probably the wrong word. It's more intentional use, right? I mean, you know, sometimes I'll go on a hike and take a little and, you know, set an intention and Mm -hmm. yeah, alone together. It really doesn't make a difference, but more um, having intention behind it versus, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago when I was just more using it as escapism um, Mm -hmm. or using it as, you know, transcending all the stuff in life that I just couldn't deal with, you know? Um, And even, even something like endurance running, it took me a few years to realize that wait, endurance running is actually escapism as well. I mean, it's just a little more quote accepted by society that you can go run a marathon every month. But after a while, I started to notice, I was like, wait a second, this is almost the same as just using drugs for the wrong reason. You know, it's like, I mean, yeah. kind of way like, you know, eating sugar or drinking daily dose of coffee or whatever it is, you know, and I'm not to judge, I'm not even judging myself, but it was more about what I started to witness within my own being of, okay, mm. what's, what is serving me on my path versus actually, um, you know, like not helping me at all. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the overview gist. I mean, there's so many fine details, but it was all this, this, this short period of, I would say over three or four years where it just, everything started making sense on a different level. And, um, I would also say that was probably, you know, like my quickest, largest spiritual waking I've had, you know, like just during all of this. 
Um, were there were there any? So I like that the uh, spiritual awakening and uh, like your comparison. I I have compared. So I have a um, counselor, whatever you call it, a therapist right now, a live human being therapist. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I I sent her to my my Stone Dave show. I said, hey, watch this. It's neat. And she watched it. It's not neat. It should, shouldn't be flippant. If you end up watching anybody <laughs> listening here, it's a tearjerker and it's it's big and important. So I don't want to mm. make it. I don't want to exactly. surprise you. Um, but I sent her to it. I said, go look at this. And in in the show, I say that in my past, probably 20 years ago, I went through intense psychotherapy. Mm. And I said, you know, one ayahuasca ceremony can be as effective as one or two years of psychotherapy. And I believe in it because I'm still yeah. doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, Totally. She was, she came back to me and she's like, so why are you doing this then? If you think, you know, one ayahuasca ceremony is worth one or two years, you know, of therapy. And I was like, because this has its place too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there, there's something, there's always something there to learn or grow from. And, and so that's what I love about what you said about how it helped. You know, I, I can meditate for seven hours, which is not a bad thing. And you may yeah. still do that. Right. Yeah. But, but and you can run for six hours <laughs> and, you know, or, or, go on a journey, an intentional journey, and all of those can get something out of it. So I like how, how you kind of, you know, put that out there, but yeah. Were there there any specific, do you want to share, you know, as as we talked about before we started, you know, recording, we don't necessarily want to go through, you know, the, the trip reports that everybody loves, Mm -hmm. but um, do you have anything, any specific experiences from ayahuasca, mushrooms, anything out there that you kind of want to share and say, you know, when I did this one time, here's what I took from it. Oh my God. There's so many. Um, yeah, there's, so I think I have a theory as to what happened to me and why I kind of made this my life. Um, mm-hmm. cause now it's, it's a big part of my business. I help a lot of people on the medicine path as I would call it. Um, you know, the first time I went to drink ayahuasca, I thought it was one of those things I would do once and never do again. Um, mm. you know, I'd already seen the benefits of psilocybin and, didn't really think I needed to have some kind of bigger experience. Um, or I also, I guess I didn't really even know what it was going to happen. I was just kind of curious and the timing was right. And my first experience really blew me away to the point where it took me probably a year and a half to integrate that first experience. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just didn't know the potential of what it had in it. And there's multiple moments from that first night where, you know, I still to this day, I wonder that because I, I had assumed that everybody had the exact experience as me. I didn't really know how it worked. And now I know it's, it's just so different than anything else there is. Um, I assumed everybody in the room was exactly same vision, same feeling, same everything. And it was not true. Um, I, I work with the person I work with is primarily is based down in Peru and is really a high level human being, like a super, like I wouldn't rarely say this, but he's like the real deal shaman. Um, right. he's, He's been practicing for 30 years. He has really high integrity he also makes extremely strong medicine, which I didn't know the first time I drank it because mm. um, I had nothing to compare it to. So I kind of went in with this, this ultimate, um, I'm never doing this again. I want to know, like, I actually went in with this intention of, um, 
I kind of, I wanted to be shown these concepts of life and reality that, you know, the Buddha talks about, but the ones that the human mind have a really hard time grasping. Um, and I was just curious also, I was like, well, I'm never going to do this again. So I might as well just surrender and see what happens. And that first experience Um, you know, even this is hard to put into words, but at one point it literally showed me visions of the nature of the illusion of reality, which Hmm. is, you know, it's even then it's like, how do you even comprehend that? Because we, I still can't, I've seen it now and I get it now. And of course, every, you know, all the great masters have been talking about this. And all the big, you know, the spiritual texts. I mean, this is ancient, quote, knowledge. But, um, you know, how do you grasp that? It's impossible because everything seems so real when, I don't know, when you and your partner are getting in a fight or whatever, like something happens yeah. in your business. Like, you know, we get caught up in our daily dramas. So when I was shown that, I remember just being really, like, I, you know, I think I was taken to this void state of, the ultimate everything and nothing at the same time. Um, it was really hard to grasp and it was also extremely beautiful. And mm-hmm. it showed me a lot of, um, again, this is hard words to use, but you know, it kept showing me these like future visions, like very future oriented of not just me and my dramas, but the state of the world and the, the way it's going and where it's headed and what things could look like one day. And, and I still actually have a lot of faith in humanity and this earth, even with the craziness of these, this year and the coming years probably, but, um, you know, but, but seeing all this and actually being able to have a visual, like I tend to be a visual learner. Mm -hmm. It just, it hit something in me where I was like, wow, this stuff is, this is different. This is not like go take some mushrooms and lay around, listen to music or go hiking. This is like healing. Um, I very much, like you said, I had an experience during that very first journey where it felt like it was about three seconds long and it probably was, but it showed me something about my family that instantly healed Mm. like a huge aspect of all this weight I was carrying around. Like, you know, anger and upset and under misunderstanding and understanding. And it just showed me one thing. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And all of a sudden it was like my heart completely changed. Um, and it's never been the same. Like it was a permanent. And I remember feeling when it happened, like, I was like, wow, that probably would have taken me like two or three years in therapy mm-hmm. or, or even, or possibly even never. I, I do think, and I'm very much like you, like I pretty much work with a therapist or similar um, all the time, like pretty much most of my life. And mm-hmm. I really believe in, like I my partner's even a somatic therapist. Um, mm. So I've always been very good with this integration stuff. Like, okay, let me talk to someone and, and um, you know, sort this all out. So for me, I saw the deep level potential of like, wow, okay, that probably would have taken me a few years. But now that I've had this visual and a very experiential feeling, I can grasp the concept a lot quicker. And then things like forgiveness comes in and understanding and um, compassion. And I believe these are the keys to 
healing a lot of inner trauma. Of course, then there's like real, you know, like I'm still doing the outside work. Like I do somatic therapy. I've done a lot of, you know, deep level trauma, trauma healing. And then there's the physical aspect of what the medicine is even doing. And I do believe that the medicine actually is here to help clear traumas, restructure DNA. You know, I've had all the experiences of, um, I mean, I literally healed a pain in my, I've, this has happened multiple times where I've healed physical pains in my body that I knew had to be more than just physical pain, like physical pain is connected usually to a lot of emotional pain, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. the pain body. And I had this jaw issue for years where my jaw was like, you know, it wasn't just TMJ. It was like beyond that. And I was like, what, you know, who do I even see? And what are they going to do? Like crack my jaw and refix it. And I knew that it was something deeper than that. I knew it wasn't just physical. So I actually went and worked on this multiple times within, you know, ayahuasca and psilocybin work and it healed and it kept showing me this, this deep level, like ancestral trauma. Like it wasn't just my mom or my mom's dad or whatever. It was, it was showing me like, I don't even know how to explain it, but like, you know, Vikings killing one another and people in my family and, you know, and I don't know who they are and if they're even, I mean, who knows, right? I don't, it could be something else, but it just kept showing me this. And it, I did forgiveness practice around it while it was happening. And it has never been back ever again, like literally. And not only that, but the interconnection between healing things like, you know, certain pains in your body, it's all interconnected to other things. So when I heal my jaw, all of a sudden, my entire business blew up, you know, um, I became, more outspoken than normal. I was able to share myself and my truth on a deeper level. I mean, it's all this physical and mental and consciousness and traumas and past and the healing. It's all interconnected to everything. You know, it's not just like, oh, I'm pissed at my parents. It's like this stuff affects our love life, our health, our, you know, wellness. I mean, and there's now scientific proof about this. You know, it's more and more epigenetics are showing that this is all very real. Um, so that's yeah, like, that's like that. one experience. <laughs> so that one little experience that, that happened quickly in her first ceremony, which I'm very jealous, by the way, I mean, I think <laughs> my first five ceremonies, I kept going back and like, I don't feel anything. Is this stuff even working? Oh no, my it's, God. It's not true. I could, you know, visuals and I could feel stuff and I purged, but I didn't take anything like big away, little things that I could kind of dig around. So mm. to hear that, I'm like, part of me is just like, wow, that's really <laughs> awesome. Uh-huh well there's always more right (laughs) yeah there's always more and it's just always peeling stuff off so that's yeah that's that's amazing that's amazing (laughs) peeling Um, the onion layers totally exactly (laughs) any any other um experiences journeys you wanted to share before we wrap up with some some other questions you know um one of the other more significant ones that i actually share this i actually share it with a lot of my clients was so i am currently in my third business and before that i worked at early stage startups and before that i was in corporate so but i knew i was born to be an entrepreneur from the time i was a kid and mm-hmm. um my heart always wanted a business since i can remember since probably like seven eight nine i knew i was like i'm here to have a business so you, um, you wanted to know the meaning of life and you wanted to be an entrepreneur at age seven. 
I used to sell me and my best friend used to play a game uh, when we were little kids where we would like set up a store and sell things on our street in suburban California. And we had this game that we used to call city where we were these like business women who would fly all over the world and we lived in cities and lo and behold, she lives in Rome. I lived in New York city up until three years ago. And, um, we both kind of lived that life. Like I had, wow. yeah. So I don't know what it is, but I knew even, you know, as a teenager, um, when I got onto the whole path of like, my parents wanted me to go to college and get a job and stay there my entire life until I die. I knew, I knew something was wrong with that. Like I knew I wasn't meant for it. My brother was an entrepreneur six months after college. Cause he was like, fuck this shit. I'm not, I'm not doing this whole job thing. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it does actually run in my family. I was just stuck in fear for a really long time. Um, but what happened is I, so I've done four GSs down in Peru um, with the guy I work with and four GSs. Dieta, like the traditional plant dieta. Oh, dieta. Okay. Yeah. Dieta. Yeah. 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 So, so you go, you know, spend almost, it's like nine days and five ceremonies and you diet these other plants and it's amazing and deep and yeah, pretty hardcore. You know, I, it's very scary at some points, let me tell you, but amazing. And, um, back in 20, I think it was 2016, there was this, I was actually, I had been running a business and kind of questioning everything and like not feeling it anymore. But I also was starting this business, but I'm kind of like not sure. And I was kind of doing both and in this limbo stage. And, um, but I was also very much like surrendered to life at that point. Like I just kind of knew like things had to change and I needed to take a different approach, which was like, you know what, let me just get curious about everything. And Mm -hmm. the last day of this dieta, I had this visual during this experience that showed me this vision where it was basically living this life of just following the path of joy, like the path of inspiration and fun and what lights me up and you know like what do I really want to be doing and it showed me this image of me like hanging out with a bunch of cool medicine people like friends of mine and this community and like running around in the field and I was just helping them with their business because I was already doing that anyways I had been helping people with their business back when I started my previous business and when I was also helping early stage startups and I just enjoyed it. It was just fun. It came very naturally to me. I I was kind of one one of these natural entrepreneurs since I was young. Hmm. And when it showed me this image, something shifted in me where I was like, you know what, what would happen if I just did what I liked to do? I mean, of course I didn't do I, and I never recommend anyone don't go quit your job tomorrow. You know, definitely don't quit your job the day after an ayahuasca ceremony, but you know, be practical of course, but then also just get curious and just see what would happen if you follow that path. Like, you know, go launch a podcast. If that sounds like fun, go start some whatever project, like just see what happens. And mm-hmm that moment something shifted and I started approaching my life completely different where, you know, of course I was practical and paying the bills and this and that, but 
I did just do what seemed like a yes, like anything that came up that felt really good. Yes. If it didn't feel good, Mm. no. And it has brought me to much more joy, happiness and success than living in any other manner. And it's one of those things where I could tell this story a thousand times, but until one experiences it, you know, it's impossible. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But that vision alone, and this is where I say to people who are on this path, look, like, you know, if you're getting these kind of visions over and over and over that are showing you possibility and they're showing you a life of happiness and a life of, you know, living in alignment with what you want, with what's in your heart, like maybe there's a reason why. Um, This is why I went and created these whole, I've done now two series about this interconnection between psychedelics and purpose. Because I do believe that when you're on this path, it wakes up this part of yourself that you just can't deny. You know, like, yes, maybe you can deny it for a few years or part of your life. But usually if you're in like an unhappiness or a place of total misalignment in your career or, um, or other areas of life, you know, it, to me, it wakes up this part of you that just knows you need to change it. And that moment, I remember I was like, oh, okay, like that way of living is not working. Let me try this other way of living and approaching everything different. And voila, everything's completely changed ever since then. Um, so that was a pretty significant, you know, experience as well. <laughs> One of many. You know, it helped you find your path. And I think what, what I was hearing is that you learned about finding one's path from this vision, from the change you made, how you, how you've added purpose into what you do. And and you've recommended people. It's like, Hey, if you find the things that bring you joy, you're going to find joy and happiness and success. Um, I think that led you to somewhere in your own professional life where you're Mm -hmm. doing these types of things to help other people find those Mm -hmm. pathways. Is that right? Yes, exactly. It tends to be, um, you know, I believe because I see this with most of my clients that your journey becomes, you know, what you're here to help others with. You know, it's like you've been put through this mm-hmm. initiation of sorts for a reason, right? And now, you know, when you feel the call to serve and help others, it's like usually tends to relate to your own initiation slash journey of life, right? Yeah. 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 Excellent. Okay. Um, so you mentioned being a runner, a long distance runner. I have done a little bit of running in my life and it seems to come up at times where people will uh, take some medicine and go for a run. Have you ever tried that? Oh my God. I, it's so funny. So I tried that once. <laughs> um, so the first time, the first reason why I went to Burning Man, the first year I went in 2013 was to run the Burning Man ultra marathon. And during the run, which is, it was 50 kilometers. So Mm -hmm. uh, whatever, I forgot how many miles that actually is 32. Um, I was like, wow, you know, let's take some mushrooms and do it on mushrooms. And I did not the first year, but the second year I did actually a gigantic dose the day before the ultra marathon. That was interesting because I, I came in eighth place female, so I actually did very well. Wow. Um, the third year, I tried taking them during the run, and I realized that it was a terrible idea. So I personally don't know how people do it. 
I actually have found that it, um, I like taking little bits when I do something leisurely, like a hike, Mm -hmm. but when it's something like running for, you know, five hours straight around a hot desert kind of thing, um, it actually made me worse. The pain just came out more. I could feel everything. I didn't love it. So I have heard of people, I mean, I've heard of people doing ketamine and trail running. I don't know where that came from. Um, yeah, maybe the anesthetic part of that. I, I know. I was like, I don't know. I can barely move. Like I can barely uh, stand straight when I do that. Um, you know, no, I think I, I think the nicest thing is to do, you know, smaller doses and maybe dance or move your body at the end of an ayahuasca ceremony, you know, things like that that are a little more. Um, <laughs> yeah, they just make more sense. But it is an interesting concept. I am fascinated by it. Yeah, I, I am too. I tried to post on Reddit many years ago to ask how many people were doing psychedelics and, you know, running at the same time. I didn't get that many responses, but. Huh. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I read your post. Yeah, because I saw some people on Reddit talking about that. They're oh like, yeah, God. it gives you more energy. And I was like, what? You know, like you mentioned, um, having a journey and then the next day running. I think I'm wrecked for a whole day. I can't, I, mean, I can't, I can't imagine going out for one of my little runs, much less doing an ultra marathon. Exactly. No, that's, I don't know. Maybe it's cause, uh, maybe it's cause I'm older now or something. I don't know, but I am fascinated by it. I would love to know if anybody's into that. <laughs> yeah. We have to find somebody for that. So when you say do a little bit and then go out for a hike, what is a little bit? Well, so it's interesting. Um, I've become, I've become very sensitive to all medicines ever since doing four dietas. Um, you know, people that I've been on these dietas with say that when you do these, you just become really attuned to the plants. Mm -hmm. So I actually have very powerful experiences with flower essences, which have zero psychoactive substances in them. So I'm super sensitive. So when I do a microdose, I literally dip my finger in some powdered psilocybin and that's how I quote weigh my dose. I don't even Interesting. Know. My dose is not even weighable because when people have given me a microdose that's actually weighed out to me it's just too much. Really? Well, that's <laughs> yeah. how you find out. You're supposed to bracket it down, so that's you you figured it out. I mean, I believe that um, you know, and I think people who people who tend to be on this path and are you know, pretty deep into the plant spirit itself and really build a relationship, which is kind of, you know, it's essentially what you do down in, you know, when you go on a dieta, you work with not just ayahuasca, but these other plants and you build a relationship and you can, I mean, you definitely communicate with plants on a different level. So I believe, you know, when you get to this place of really being connected, it just, you don't need that much. Um, I mean, I recently had some um ayahuasca medicine in, in costa rica on a retreat i was on and you know there was the second night i was like oh i just kind of want to lay around listen to music that's what i thought right <laughs> and um and i did a very small amount and it pounded me like <laughs> pounded me and this has happened to me before and i realized you know when you're i think when you're just already so connected to the plant you don't need as much as you think you know yeah um, i think i agree with you on that I, I have two of my best journeys with mushrooms have been about one and a half grams oh yeah and 
Yeah. And I, I told a, a psychonautic comedian friend of mine that I said, you know, I just had an amazing experience with one and a half grams. And he was like, what? And then he went and tried it and he was messaging me. He's like, man, that was incredible. Yeah. You know, I, so it, it's interesting. Yeah. Once you're dialed in, it's almost kind of, it's like meditation. I feel like I can meditate wherever, whenever yeah. I want to. You just totally. drop into that space. Once you've been in that space, it seems like you can get there faster with smaller doses. Exactly. And I, you know, I am a fan of like, Hey, of course go big here and there. I mean, I still go big once in a while, but, um, or, or go big without trying to go big, like, like recently, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for these smaller doses where you don't necessarily need to just blow out your brains. It, there is a way to actually work with it, you know, um, mm -hmm. especially if you're very big on setting the intention and, you know, like developing, I mean, I have different techniques like you know like if I have a mantra that I want to use during it or if I'm really working on one particular thing or you know clearing something it, you know that to me I keep saying the dose doesn't even really matter um, mm. because it will give you pretty much what you want and need you know if you really work with it in a certain manner but um yeah I prefer I mean and I also believe that um different times of you know like this is where I get a little woo-woo, but, you know, I've worked with both psilocybin and ayahuasca during, let's say, eclipses or full moons or mm. certain astrological transits going on. And there's no denying that those have an effect. Um, you know, again, it might be me, it might be sensitive, but I mean, I've had the craziest experiences where I'm like, oh, wow, I don't understand. I just took, you know, whatever it was, two grams two months ago of the exact same thing but then this time I take it and it happens to fall on this like eclipse and it's like mm -hmm. sometimes stronger how is that even possible I don't know it's happened to me more than once though <laughs> I know it's it's incredible it's uh I'm not sure I believe in the astrological mm -hmm. elements of this but I have an astrologer there you go. You know, and when I before my last peyote experience, I, I messaged her and said, hey, I'm going to be doing this at this time. Tell me what's what's going to be going on. And she explained everything. She said, wow, there's really this you need to look for and you're going to have some of this. And it just was it's very interesting. Wow. Yeah. But you're not sure you believe in what she's saying. Yeah. And she knows that. And yeah, I love it. <laughs> I don't know that I believe in anything. So whenever I talk to anybody about anything, I'm always like, yeah, I don't know if I believe it. That's you good. Know, yeah. So it's, you know, she's wonderful. And she, I met her at an ayahuasca ceremony. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And so we're really connected. And and while I may not necessarily take everything into my heart, I, I take, I take whatever she says into my heart because it's coming from a good place. And I'm really glad that, that I have her to share this stuff with me. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. That's so, that's so funny, but no, the, the Buddha said this, don't believe me, go prove it to yourself. <laughs> yeah yeah no that's uh you know don't want to get political but that's what al franken said he, he oh, yeah. would tell, tell me how all the republicans are liars back when i was one and, and he would say don't believe me go look up the sources and as soon as i started doing my own research i was like well shit he's right oh my god they're all lying to me. yeah so go to, go to the source so um so mantras intention uh, dose maybe not mattering what if somebody was to ask you for 
advice. I mean, we, we talked about this. This program is not about recommending people go out and do psychedelics. Yeah. That is not, we are not recommending that anybody out there go out and do this. This is too big of a thing for us to sit here and recommend that for you. Yeah. But somebody who's doing some research, what, what pieces of information would you want them to add to their, their research about what you would consider to be important elements of a good experience? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I take kind of um, an extreme stance compared to some people who say, well, you must only do ayahuasca with a, you know, shaman who studied for X number of years. I don't actually believe in that. For me, I hold, you know, like I'm really big on um, knowing the background of who I work with, you know, what their lineage is, you know, what they have done, where they come from. I also... I really feel highly into intuition. Like if something doesn't feel right, don't do it. Um, you know, I mm. have done trusted my friends and I've had some bad experiences. Um, yeah. So, you know, of course I, I like to say like, go with people you trust, but also know that what works for your good friend might not work for you. Um, I, you know, I always say, look, like who am I to judge the people who are drinking ayahuasca in a loft in Brooklyn with music playing from a computer <laughs> mm-hmm. happens. it's not for me but if that works for someone else it's it's you know it's all good I don't believe in um, judging that I do believe in safety so again just no um, just I mean to me it's about educating yourself like go learn about all the contraindications you know I mm-hmm. personally I would not do ayahuasca with someone that doesn't ask about my medical background or what drugs I'm on or, you know, my experience, this and that. But I have been to many people who they're like, oh, just come and pay us $200 uh, and show up on Saturday. I know I, I'm not into it at all. That's but so careless. <laughs> I think it is. But again, it's like, well, I don't know, as long as you're safe, like you might have to learn the hard way. Um, you know, the one thing I've learned, I, I, I've done 5-MeO-DMT, the, the, the Bufo, and, you know, thankfully I was with someone I highly trusted, who I'm actually very close friends with, who, who holds that space very regularly and has trained for many, many, many years. But it's one of those things where I'm like, look, this is not for everybody. It can actually be very dangerous. So, you know, this is where I say it's really important to do your own research and educate yourself and really know, like, none of this as much as I love these these medicines nothing's a magic pill nothing's a the bullet that's gonna fix everything you know like yeah it's you know I don't can't even tell you how many psychedelics I've done I'm still always doing some other work on myself it's like a daily it's it's and this is where the word integration is very important it's everything it's every day it's not just five hours or eight hours or whatever it is it's um you know, so I also would really recommend people have other support besides just the medicine, you know, yeah, go get a somatic therapist or, you know, go work with an integration type coach or, you know, like a life coach or a spiritual coach, whatever it is, um, you know, a healer, whatever works for you, someone to talk to, someone to process it with and someone to help you actually take what you learn from these experiences and bring them into your day to day. Because again, like, yes, it's really fun and games to go expand your mind, but what's the point if you can't 
if it's not really doing anything for your life or for the lives of others, you know, um, then it just becomes, then you kind of wonder, is it just, you know, recreation, which yeah. there's nothing wrong with recreation, of course. But again, like if you're being shown all these changes to make, like, Hey, get help making changes. Um, so that's usually what I say for people, but I, you know, almost everybody I know has had one negative experience. <laughs> yes I feel like you kind of have to go through that terrible initiation of being like I'm never doing that <laughs> again or I'm yeah never going with that person again or never trusting Beth to pour me mushroom tea at burning man <laughs> all my old campmates were like sure just make us tea and then many 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 grams later they were like holy crap <laughs> yeah that's all right yeah tea mushroom tea is the only time i've ever thrown up with mushrooms my god yeah <laughs> you know i don't know what what it was but i, I have stayed away from that but you're right yeah we they're, they're a bad experience not not just like a quote bad trip which ends up having good lessons but they're they're yeah. bad experiences and i think it's really key like you said for people to do their research and because you know if you don't follow the rules with ayahuasca that can that can kill you okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, with mushrooms, you, you may go through it and, and not have an experience at all and wonder why the heck not. But it's so important for people to understand what they're getting into and, and to not not take this lightly. Exactly. Especially when it's the deadly ones, the ones that you really can't combine with, you know, yeah. prescriptions or whatever. That's where, you know, to me personally, if, if someone offered me something like ayahuasca or bufo or meo or any of the you know dmts without asking about these other you know the health intake i would mm -hmm. walk away i would just walk away because to me that's not the kind of yeah it's irresponsible yeah i think it is too but then again i mean you know it's like well people can get lucky but <sighs> you know there's one there's it's it's wonderful to get lucky but the flip side is is horrible exactly <laughs> yeah not worth it but yeah not worth it that's the advice i would have yeah. all right that's good advice um well that's all fantastic stuff so you know as a wrap-up is there anything else you want to share you know do you want to do you want to share some details on on these uh coaching businesses and some services and events and stuff that you're doing yeah sure so um, I actually help a lot of people start and grow their business and a lot of people who are on the medicine path. So I actually have a lot of clients who are looking to integrate psychedelics into their work or make psychedelics their actual business. So I have a lot of clients who are, you know, psychedelic integration coaches or who want to start, you know, like coaching and adding microdosing to their coaching, whatever it is, or even just life coaching, spiritual coaching. Mm -hmm. But essentially, you know, I really believe that the more everybody really steps into their own heart and their own purpose and really does what they love, we will have a better planet. And to me, with the changes going on in the world and the intensities of everything, you know, now is a great time to go and start your business, especially if you don't feel aligned, if things aren't working for you, it's like, I don't know, to me what has this year shown us life is really yeah. short you know it's either now or never right or it's like when what are you waiting for you're waiting for the next pandemic or the pandemic to get worse i don't know so that's essentially what i do but you can check out my work i also have hosted two summits called um psychedelic sticker medicines and purpose and the other one this year was called psychedelic sticker medicines purpose and business 
and where I interview, it's kind of like a podcast, but all at once, and just mm-hmm. on, you know, like 25, 30 people. And I interview all these experts around this interconnection between the growth of psychedelics and the popularity and people who are on this path or curious about it and how it actually affects what we do for a living and the business that we all, you know, the kind of businesses we want to see and doing conscious business and how, I mean, I even, even interviewed someone like David Bronner and it's like, okay, well, someone who's running a multi-million dollar business can actually integrate psychedelics into their business, which is exactly what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're curious about that, you know, some of it is still available. It's just, you know, everything's at um, my website, bethaweinstein.com, psychedelicsandpurpose.com or psychedelicsandbusiness.com. I'm also all over the internet, just at my name. So. <laughs> and I'm connected to Stuart. So yeah. Yes. And I will, uh, and I'll put all these links on the text part of the uh, podcast, which will end up, it always gets pushed out to all the platforms. So awesome. no matter what you're listening to this on, you can go to the text part and find those links. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. Well, anything else you want to get out there, Beth? No, I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm not sure when this, this podcast will be published, but I do have some free online events slash workshops that I'm hosting in January and February. Um, one is about- This will be out before then. Oh, will it? Oh, great. Okay, so yeah. one is January 7th, early January. It's about how to start and grow your a transformational business around coaching or healing. Um, I'm hosting another one in late January about growing a psychedelic business. I actually recently hosted one, a, a different one about psychedelic business. So those are actually still available. Um, but, you know, everybody can pretty much find this just through my website, Instagram, Facebook. I also have a bunch of free trainings that I give out if people are just curious about, okay, how do I get this started? Or how do I even figure out what it is that I want to do? Nice. Um, so those are all available, just website, bethaweinstein.com. And yeah, like would love people to connect. And, you know, I really believe that we're all in this together. Like, you know, you, Stuart, what you're doing with this podcast, you know, me talking, us sharing and connecting. This is the education, you know, as we're saying early on, um, it's really about normalizing this and coming out of the psychedelic closet and sharing yourself so that we can actually change the stigma, you know, move this decriminalization movement forward and, and actually get this medicine to people who need it. Because yeah. it is it is extremely transformational and powerful. And I do believe that, hey, there's a reason why it's growing more in popularity during these crazy times that I don't think are gonna end anytime soon. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, that is fantastic, Beth. I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate all the uh, all the sharing and the great information you know you brought here to this episode, and uh, I'm truly grateful. Mm, thank you so much. It was so good to be here, and I am really honored that you had me. And thank you so much for this work you're doing. It's so so beautiful and so needed right now. Awesome. Thank you, Beth. I really appreciate that. Thank you. That concludes this edition of the Stone Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.